Hi, welcome to the MedCorp Podcast Network. This is Carrie Stevens, the Chief Editor of 24-7. Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. I'm so excited to have Chase Torres, aka the Beard of Biomed, as well as 24-7's Associate Editor Andy London here today with me to discuss how to retain top talent in the HGM industry. You know, it's a topic Andy is currently writing about as he finishes the September-October cover story for 24-7 about the issue. And we really wanted to get more in-depth about it and just get him some more behind-the-scenes information. So, Chase, Andy, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be here as always. Uh, yeah, so, Chase, thank you so much for um, yeah talking with me tomorrow, the, this morning. Um, I'm obviously pretty kind of fresh to the industry, still kind of getting a feel for everything, but I've been talking to a, a lot of uh, professionals, and it's been great. I've learned so much just in the last few weeks, especially for this story, just talking to uh, folks in the industry, and I'm really excited to pick your brain this morning and kind of get into the, to even deeper into some of the nitty gritty that we can and uh, what Elvarez uh, uh, comes forward. So um, yeah, I just wanted to get started. And um, uh, I guess to start, uh, I was curious about these, uh, uh, these personnel shortages. They've obviously, they've been ongoing in the HDM space for a while now. Um, but is it worse than it's ever been now? And, and if so, how much of it is due to the pandemic? I was actually speaking with some other folks in previous interviews, and they were saying, uh, I think one gentleman mentioned that 2019 was a particularly bad year, but I imagine that suddenly just skyrocketed into 2020 into 2021. So as with anything in the medical infrastructure, it is not a simple one-on-one answer. Mm -hmm. There's always a slew of different things that are going to cause, you know, the same end result. The pandemic was, I like to think of it as almost a, a fuel source, for the current predicament, you know, it was, uh, it was in fact a very highly contributing factor, uh, with staffing and uh, not just in the biomed space in every space, you know, a lot of places either had coverage restrictions to the point to where, you know, certain services cannot go into medical facilities to do the job. Um, others did not, you know, have the work or the staffing because either through layoffs or, you know, moving, um, there, there was a lot of tangents that kind of all filled from the, the COVID space. Um, I think where it stands right now is like I alluded to a minute ago is with, you know, COVID creating this, the preliminary staffing shortage, it's kind of, uh, expedited right now. I know several hospitals, um, at least in my area, and I've spoken to several others that, you know, they can't find uh, willing applicants. Like they can't even find people that are applying and they have multiple positions open. Um, there obviously is a shortage of incoming blood into the field. So when you mix the the layoffs, the slowing of, obviously we've had retirements. I, that's another thing too is a, another a colleague of mine alluded to, you know, COVID kind of presented an opportunity almost for people that were on the fence of retiring to go ahead and retire. Mm. And we're already seeing that within probably the next five to 10 years at minimum, there's going to be a, a hell of a lot more, um, you know, people leaving the workforce because they've been in it so long. It's their time. And regardless of not of us having the bodies to fill their positions, it's going to happen. So it's, it's been, it's, 
like I like I'm saying, it's a uh, kind of like a conglomerate of different issues that are all funneling into the same thing, which we are experiencing now, which is we have so many job openings, but we also have so many bodies supposedly to fill them, but they're not getting filled. So I think there's a lot of different issues that are kind of all going to the same talking point there. Yeah. And how much do you think salary plays a role in this? I mean, you know, as 24 seven, we are the collectors of all the salary data, but how much do you think it's salary related? And, you know, when you hear industry professionals talk about it, how much of its salary, how often is salary brought up in regards to retention? And is it the biggest roadblock to addressing the current state of the issue? You know, if, if they made salaries higher, would that kind of solve the problem? Well, I know when you um, submitted the HGM salary survey from last year, there was, you know, we, we've talked about this um, quite a lot, but, you know, salary does play a factor and what people decide to work for. Um, it's not something that I think a lot of people bring up in the workspace, which, you know, I've heard um, from companies that they've told their employees don't discuss your wages with each other, even though it's completely legal and encouraged. That way, you know, you're all getting fair pay. I think also a part of the labor shortages is, you know, certain sites certain companies, certain manufacturers, they're not getting the able bodies coming in by one from what they're offering for that job. Because why would I go work here when I can go here for a one to $2 raise maybe per hour, which, you know, our field is experiencing right now. I mean, it's, it's, our field's very much known for being, there's not a, I don't want to say there's not a sense of loyalty. It's more of, you know, if there is more opportunity through training, through uh, growth opportunity within that company or a one to $2 raise, this is where the salary and all that comes in and factors together, which plays again with the staffing shortage. And, you know, very much so salary plays a critical role in what you're going to get from your biomeds. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've seen it too. People are always, you know, people want more money and that's such a big retention tool. But I, I also know in past salary surveys we've done and, and even in 2021s, people really talk about too, the other perks of the job, like, you know, benefits. And it's not just strictly dollars. It can be the full package too. I mean, the, the, the thing that makes the field so interesting is there's so many different sectors of where biomeds can work at, and you're going to get different experiences and different benefits from each of them. Some might have really good wages, but you're also probably going to experience more burnout just because of the workload. I mean, even, even OEMs are struggling to, you know, find able candidates coming in and filling in those tech one, tech two positions. Cause again, uh, a lot of the leadership roles are reserved for tech three and they don't need a lot of those. So a lot of the, uh, the newer uh, graduates coming out of like the CVET school, maybe the military reserves or, you know, retirees from the military, you know, they're looking to fill these slots for in-house positions, uh, ISO companies, and some may offer um, bonuses, whereas many may not. Some might have a 401k plan to where they match what you put in. Some might have, you know, health, dental, et cetera. Some might 
reimburse you for education up to a certain amount, but you're not going to see the same thing everywhere. That's why a lot of the biomeds are moving here and there because they're going to go that's going to benefit them the best. And rightly so, we're a very niche field. There's not that many of us. So competition is always high within the biomed field. Yeah, I mean, for sure. People can really choose where they want to go. And I mean, which means employers have to really be smart and make a lot of good strategies to retain these people. Because if not, they're going to go to the next facility. So have you personally been involved in any initiatives that have helped forward progress in this space? And do you have any peers that you've worked with who've been a positive force to address employee retention? So first thing, which tailoring this back to the salary is everybody needs to fill out the HTM salary survey (laughs) annually. That way we know where the field currently lays. Um, I think the more participation we have in that endeavor, it's just going to give biomeds and also biomed directors and managers the tools to, you know, find good paying jobs within the areas they want to go to. And then also it's a recruiting tool. So I, I think, you know, we've mostly tailored your survey for the applicant, for the, the biomed, the tech. But I think we could also push it towards the manager because you can see what your average is within your region, within your area, and then tailor your pay, your budget for your department to either meet or exceed that. And that's going to help your recruiting efforts. But I love that point. Yes, definitely. Um, same thing as well with uh, Amy. You know, they do their demographic surveys. Um, I know we just had the Amy exchange, which, uh, you know, everybody got to meet everyone and voice their concerns about certain things within the field. I did participate in the Gator Tank. And one of the initiatives I want to really push is getting, you know, biomeds all over the world to come into the U.S. because the the H-1B visa system is a good tool that I think we could really tap into to get new blood into the field because out of all the emails I get, one of the most consistent ones is where I get messages from all over the world asking, Hey, how do I become a biomed or, Hey, I'm doing this already, but how do I come work in the U S to do this? Um, another thing too, is just talking about it. You know, if any, any movement in general is going to stem from having those conversations either with your current peers or having them with, um, you know, the C-suite, because a lot of the the budgetary constraints and staffing constraints that biomeds feel day in and day out within the hospital is very much tied to what they're allowed to do with, you know, the leash they are given from the C-suite. So uh, I think this also ties into is building the community because we have discords, we have Facebook groups, we have, you know, all the different podcasts and shows we have going on now. And these allow us to actively discuss the issues we currently feel, which is, you know, salary, staffing, uh, incoming new blood into the field, retirements. Um, there, there's, I think the biggest thing that I can say that I've pushed is just building that conversation and building that community for everybody to discuss these issues uh, to tie all that together. And it's not something that, it needs to be through someone through my platform. Anybody can do that. I kind of wanted to loop back to a, a separate idea, career progression. Um, wondering how much that plays a factor into like whether or not they're trying to go into leadership roles or they're trying to go from 
uh, for example, from going from a BM, BMET to an imaging technician? How much does that possibly impact where people are headed in the directions and, and influences incoming, possibly incoming new blood or that sort of uh, opening up uh, positions in certain roles? So I would, I would say it plays a huge factor. Now, there is a caveat. There is you know, probably a small minority of biomeds within the field that are happy where they're at. They could just be a tech one, tech two, you know, just doing the job nine to five, calling it a day, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. Majority of the biomed field from, you know, all of the different forms and everything I read is they want growth opportunity because what comes with growth opportunity benefits, salary, educational opportunities. And obviously if you're going for like a leadership managerial role, you know, it gives you more opportunity to do more things. Um, lately, I, I, funnily enough, I was just speaking with a, a friend of mine and uh, she's having trouble finding just anyone to apply. And this is a, a, a really like good position. Um, they can't find anybody, but you know, they're, they're looking at other avenues, other hospitals, which to possibly we, I, I would call it poach, but what, what does that mean? That means, grabbing a technician from an, another hospital system because they don't have growth opportunity. You know, a lot, a lot of these hospitals, maybe they can afford, uh, unless you're like a flagship hospital and you got like a 10 to 20 deep, uh, biomed program, you know, a lot of them, maybe a few biomeds at most. And if you got one manager and they're, they don't have the, the staffing system set up to where the, the biomed can get promoted or, go into specialty or start training to go into managerial roles, then they're not going to stay. Um, the same deal with the, the OEM space. You know, like I said, the, the tech three is typically the one that's running the, the, the show, like the area and managing those tech one, tech twos going out and doing the services for whatever specialty modality they have. So if you have somebody already in that role, unless that person gets uh, trained on something more proprietary or, you know, to elevate their resume, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be stagnant in that spot. Um, ISO company, same thing, which I've been an ISO my entire career. Um, I was not going to get promoted until my manager got promoted unless I, I left and went somewhere else. So again, for somebody that's a biomed that wants to grow, that wants to, you know, have more opportunities, there, there's going to be a lot of movement within our, our career space if that opportunity is not made available to them. Why would you stay if you don't have that available to you? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, to answer your question, it plays a huge role. Sure, yeah. And I, I hope I'm not going on too many tangents, but I just some, that's something else popped in my head. It was about um, work culture. That seemed to be a huge point uh, other people had brought up is you know, I mean, everyone these days is talking about quiet quitting and the great migration and all that stuff. Um, and I'm just kind of curious to see every industry is different, but it's definitely something that seems to be kind of, uh, you know, taking over the nation as far as what people think about their careers. So I'm I'm curious what that looks like, if that's something that can be specified in terms of, you know, the HTML, HTM space as far as 
work culture, that sort of thing, anything like that. I don't think that's really hit the biomed space. I don't think the quiet quitting movement has really hit the biomed space. Um, I don't know if it ever will, just because it might be, you know, an occasional circumstance where that happens. But biomeds do the job. Not obviously we want to get paid fairly for what we do, but biomeds are very much uh, servants to the medical system. We're there because, you know, we we get the benefit of feeling like we've done something special and preventing uh, any kind of disaster that impacts patient safety and, you know, doing what we can through that medical device to elevate patient care. So it's, it's not, I don't want to say, you know, we've had the labor shortages and the walkouts and stuff like that with other medical professions, but I I think that's what makes the biomed space special is because I think, I don't remember what the number was from Amy, but it was at least over 70% would recommend this job to somebody to do, to get into this career field. So overwhelmingly the vast majority of the biomed community loves what we do. And, you know, if they're loving what they're doing, if they're, if they can go into a survey and say that now, they're more than likely happy with either their current position, their opportunities, or maybe even uh, their leadership because, you know, leadership plays a, a huge impact into how we take in a job and, you know, how we feel about it. So, yeah, um, I, I don't, me personally, I don't foresee quite quitting or that occurring within the biomed space. I mean, that makes sense. You know, you're helping people, you're making people feel better about, you know, the, you know, that well-being of others. So I think that makes sense. Um, and I kind of wanted to, and that, that sort of kind of goes into my other question as far as, uh, well, some of what we've been talking about, career paths and whatnot. Um, I'm wondering if there are any uh, good programs to attract, you know, early interest for the youth. I know you touched on this a little bit, getting re- getting retention, getting younger folks in the field. Um, I know that I, I've read about HTM in a box, but I'm wondering if there's other programs, other um, initiatives out there, anything that's kind of trying to move things forward in that space and in that regard. So, yes, uh, absolutely. I, I think by now, everybody's pretty well acquainted with HTM in a box. It's kind of like the the mainstream approach um, at this point that Amy's you know rolled out. It's been quite effective. It's been uh, used quite a lot from what uh, Danielle over there has told me through what she can measure through her metrics. But there are other solutions. Um, the biggest thing, like I said, is utilizing the community to do that outreach. So what does this involve? The whole point of what HTM in a box is, is to take that and go speak to the younger community. So, you know, you're, you're taking that, giving a presentation at a school, high school, middle school, whatever. But there's also the space as well for an already established, um, adult that is maybe in a different community that is looking for a job change, which I've met several. And, you know, that was partially facilitated by HTM in a box but it's also facilitated by the Bearded Biomed channel, the, the, the Better Biomed channel, the uh, HTM Insider podcast, the um, HTM on the line. Like engagement with the younger community doesn't just stop with HTM in a box. It's actually you go where they are and where are they right now? They're on TikTok. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. They're, you know, on Discords. So that that aspect of it is vital to outreaching and educating people and building awareness onto the field. But there's also uh, there's communities such as or 
actual organizations known as uh, one of them. I recently interviewed Monty and Bill from the CVET school, which is College of Bomb Medical Equipment Technology. And they are currently working on partnering with HOSA. And what HOSA is, is a United States organization that directly, you know, promotes science, math, engineering, you know, STEM program kind of uh, education opportunities to the younger audience. So I, I think Monty was saying they, they spoke to like 15,000 students in one day through the HOSA. Um, I, he actually said they're actually going to be changing their name, but as of right now, they're still known as HOSA. But there's other, there's other programs out there. There's other organizations. There's even another one. Um, I, I cannot remember the name right now. However, every state has an organization that is tied to uh, – Let's say you have anyone from a different country coming in through STEM programs or uh, coming into the United States through the H-1B visa program. They actively uh, work almost like a recruiter in a sense and job placement applicator to give them, you know, kind of the field they want to go into. I would just encourage if anybody wants to know about those organizations, just type in a STEM program organization within your particular state. And there's, there's multiple of them. There's not just one. So there's, there's all kinds of organizations that are doing this already for every other field. The job now is for people such as Monty and Bill over at CBET and Amy and myself and other people that are trying to grow the field and uh, do outreach to the younger uh, audience is to actively look for those organizations and to let them know that, Hey, we need your help in getting, you know, our needs facilitated because a lot of them, they just don't know about us. So I, I think that's also the next step for the bottom midfield is doing that outreach, tapping into these other organizations that we have not built partnerships or relationships with and using them to help spread our message, which is, you know, generating multiple pipelines to different or, you know, different continents, different, uh, you know, different, uh, job opportunities that maybe people didn't know about. Yeah. I think that's huge. Just, uh, getting the awareness out seems to be just big, just, just getting in the, the, the fresh blood, new people, um, just awareness, I think is, is huge. So I, I think that's some great stuff, Chase. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. I, I think, I think the initiative for me is taking biomed mainstream. Mm. So, that could look like TV show that could look like, you know, Sirius XM radio show that could look like, uh, magazine publications through like, you know, the big ones, uh, Forbes, et cetera. Um, it could be, you know, outreach through other charitable organizations. I mean, there's, there's different ways that we can take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just going to start with everybody, you know, doing a little bit here and there, um, building that awareness, building the community so we can have that voice. Once we have that voice, then we have a platform to where we can approach these organizations. And it goes the same deal with like right to repair. It started through grassroots. It's been through a state initiative through there. You know, you got uh, uh, Avante and uh Phobie Medical, you know, uh, Justin from Better Biomed and Dustin Zerman going to speak to Congress about right to repair. That that obviously didn't happen overnight, but something like that, it 
it's all about starting from somewhere and just building that platform up and up and up. And then from there, you know, the sky's the limit. Well, I think this was super informative and I know it will give Andy so much fodder for his article. So just thank you, Chase. Thank you, Andy. Um, and be on the lookout for Andy's cover story about the topic. It will be in the September, October print issue, but because we're digital first, y'all will see it earlier. So thank you so much, guys. Um, until then, be sure to check out 24-7 at www.24x7mag.com. And thank you. Take care. Bye, guys.